Well, hello to everybody at Good Life Church. It's great to be able to join you today. And wherever it is that you are watching from, I'm so glad that you're part of church today. Uh, I want to say thank you to Pastor Dave and Beck Connett, who have been great friends for many years, for allowing me the privilege to share with the church today as we continue our series, Why the World Needs Good Life Church. It's a pretty audacious statement. The world needs Good Life Church, but it's the absolute truth. The church is God's plan to better and help the community. Thank God for all the other organizations in the location where you are watching, but it's the church ultimately that can change the human heart because it's the church that is empowered by the Spirit of God. And so if you are part of Good Life Church, you are part of something incredibly important to the future of our community. But more than that, if you're part of Good Life Church, you are incredibly important. You know, a lot of people find a statement like that hard to believe. Me? Have you seen me? Have you looked at my track record? Other people are important, but I don't know that I'm that important. Well, you know, when you look at God's word, you discover that you are incredibly important. When you look at the word of God, you discover that you are priceless and not just priceless. You are indispensable. And if you're indispensable, it means you're irreplaceable. You are absolutely invaluable, no matter who you are, where you've been or what you've done to the work of God. Let me just give you a little idea of how incredibly important you are to God and therefore to what God wants to do through his church. Do you know, Psalm 139 says that God knew you long before you were ever born. Verses 13 and 14 says, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In other words, the Bible says to you and I, you're not an accident. You were made on purpose, fearfully and wonderfully made. And not just made on purpose. You and I were made for a purpose. Verse 16 says that your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me. Listen to that. All the days ordained for me. In other words, God planned. God allotted a time when you would exist on planet Earth for his purpose. But then it goes on to say all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God didn't just think about you. His thoughts about you were so profound and so important, he wrote them down. I am often sent to the supermarket by my wife to collect things, and she will give me a list, and I will race out the door, and she'll call me back, and because she knows me, she says, no, no, write it down so you don't forget. When something's important, you write it down. Some of you will be list makers and I think it's smart to make lists because it ensures you remember things well God was so committed to what he wanted to do through you and I he didn't just think about us but he wrote down his thoughts because they were that important and that significant Psalm 139 verse 17 says how amazing are your thoughts concerning me how vast the sum of them And so when God wrote down his thoughts about you and I, he didn't just write down a couple of dot points. The Bible says his thoughts were vast and not just 
any old thoughts, but they were amazing thoughts concerning you and I. That encourages me that we are not just here to take up space. We're not just here to make up the numbers. We're not just here to fill time. You and I are here for an incredible purpose. It tells me that your personality, your giftings and talents, your unique interests and take on things were all determined by God because God needed someone just like you for a moment just like this. You know, uh, we often feel quite the opposite. We find it easy to think other people are amazing, but ourselves, yeah, not so much. Have you seen my track record? Have, have you spent any time with me? I, I mean, other people are talented. Other people have a lot to offer. Other people are gifted. But, but me, well, you know, if you heard the prayers that Pastor Beck prays, I mean, when she prays, heaven moves. But, but my prayers, they kind of don't feel so powerful. And so we start thinking, you know what, other people are really important. But if I wasn't part of good life, well, I'm not sure it would make much of a difference. Well, I want to convince you this morning beyond any shadow of a doubt that you were created by God for his glory and that makes you invaluable. You know, uh, there was a church in Corinth and Paul wrote to the church trying to encourage them, them about this very point. A lot of the people in Corinth were not that confident. Uh, many of them were slaves. Uh, most of them were uneducated. And, and so they, they found it difficult to believe that they really mattered in the grand scheme of things. And perhaps you feel like that about yourself. Well, Paul writes to them to try to convince them, even as I'm trying to convince you today, no matter what location you're in, you're incredibly important to what God wants to do in and through our church. And so writing to these people, Paul uses a metaphor to help them understand the unique and indispensable role that they play. And he uses the metaphor of the human body, which he compares to the church. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, he says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. You know, um, when I think of myself, I, I tend to think of just one body. I, I don't tend to think of every little uh, part of me that makes up my body. I'm, I'm I'm a body, but actually when you consider my body and yours, it's one body, but it's made up of many, 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 many parts, too many parts to name. Well, the same is true with the church. The church is one body, but it's made up of so many different and unique parts. Let me come at this another way to help you understand uh, what I mean. Uh, if you were to think of an elephant. Uh, now think of a group of elephants. Well, when you see an elephant on its own, it's an elephant. But when you see a group of elephants, now it's a herd. Uh, when you see a lion on its own, it's a lion. But when you see a lion with other lions, it's a pride. When you see a crow on its own, it's a crow. But when you see a group of crows, it's a murder. Call 911. Well, when you see a kangaroo on its own, it's just a kangaroo. But when you see a group of kangaroos, you know what a group of kangaroos is called? It's called a mob, a mob of kangaroos. 
Do you know what a group of crocodiles is called? A crocodile on its own is just a crocodile, but a group of crocodiles is called a congregation. I preached in that church once, a group of crocodiles. Here's my point. Individually, each animal has a name, but when the animals come together corporately, they take on a whole new identity. One elephant can never be a herd, but when one elephant joins with a, another elephant and another elephant and another elephant, now that one elephant takes on a whole new identity it could never have had except that it came together with others. Now, what do you call an individual who's given their life to Jesus? Well, you, you might call them a Christian or a disciple or a believer. What do you call a group of individuals gathered together who've given their lives to Jesus? It's called the church. And so on your own, you're a believer. But with other believers, you become the church. We can never be the church on our own, but when we come together with other like-minded believers at Good Life, we take on a new identity we could never have had apart from cooperating and cooperating collectively with others. We become the body of Christ, the church. One lion does not constitute a pride. It takes many lions gathered together. And one Christian doesn't make a church. It takes many Christians gathered together for the church to exist. So individually, you're a Christian. But when we come together with other Christians, we are the church or the body of Christ. So here's the big thought. Without you, the body of Christ on earth would not exist. Without you, Good Life Church could never exist. That makes you incredibly important to what God wants to do. You know, um, the Apostle Paul, when he tries to impress this upon the people in Corinth, understands that some will object and say, well, you know, I'm really not that important. And so he continues. In verse 15, he says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? You know, it's funny that the Apostle Paul contrasts the ear and the eye. You know, uh, if I had a choice, I don't want to be the ear because, well, well, it seems to me that an eye is far more important. Just think about the language we use. You don't have an ear-to-ear -ear conversation. You have an eye-to-eye -eye conversation. No one ever says to you, wow, you've got beautiful ears. But we do tell someone, I get lost in your eyes. We don't look longingly into someone's ears. We look longingly into someone's eyes. Beauty is not in the ear of the beholder. It's in the eye of the beholder. No one ever said, wow, you've got stars in your ears. We have stars in our eyes. No one has ever told me you're the apple of my ear. That would be kind of weird. So the ear could say, I'm not that important. Elton John never sang a song saying baby's got blue ears. In fact, if baby does have blue ears, call the doctor. There's something very, very wrong. 
it's urgent. But having said all of that, if there were no ear, you would be so far short of all that God had called you to be and, and completely unable to do all God had called you to do. So whether you feel like you're an ear that gets no plaudits and no applause or whether you're an eye in the spotlight, both are incredibly important. Without both, the body would not exist or it certainly would not exist in the form that God intended. Verse 22 says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. What an amazing thought. Paul is speaking directly to many of us at Good Life Church who think, well, I'm not a preacher like Pastor Dave and, and I don't lead worship like some of those who are really talented musically and, and I never get any plaudits and I don't think anyone at Good Life Church even knows that I'm part of the church. And Paul says, hey, you've got to understand the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. You might never be invited to go on stage at Good Life. You might never feature on Instagram, but um, but you're incredibly important. I don't know who cleans the toilets in the church facility, but someone does, and thank God for them. Without those people, man, the church would be a lot less than it's supposed to be. How many of you know the people who clean the church toilets seem like less than the preacher, and yet the people who clean the toilets are absolutely indispensable? I don't know who makes the coffee at Good Life, but I do know this. The baristas are indispensable. Thank God for them. And it must require a whole lot of work and effort to get there early, to make the I can't wait till we can gather again to have the coffee. But thank God for the people who make it. You know, um, you might never get to preach or lead worship, but you are up today praying for our service. Thank God for the prayer warriors in our church. You know, sometimes in our churches, some of the older people can be tempted to think, oh, it's all about the young people today. Well, I know this for sure. It tends to be the older people in the church who are the prayer warriors. And without a covering of prayer, without an undergirding of intercession, the church would never be able to fulfill its role. Thank God for those saints in the church who might never be up on stage but faithfully pray for the pastors and for the ministry of the church, your role is often more valuable than the people we see. You know, um, if I was to ask you a question, uh, just just take your hand and, and think, if I had to lose one finger, I, I, I know it's a horrible thought, but, but if you had to lose one finger, if we were going to chop off one finger today, which one would you volunteer to lose? Yeah, I, I think, well, well I'm going to lose my thumb because... You know, you, you can communicate with your thumb. I, I don't want to lose my first finger because well, I, I use that a lot with my children. Go here, go to your room, get back there. I, I don't want to lose this finger. Well, let's just say that it comes in handy at roundabouts. I, I, that was a joke. I, I don't want to lose this finger because that's my ring finger. So I guess if, if you've got to take one of my fingers, take this one. Well... The little finger might seem easily dispensed with, but that's only because you don't understand how incredibly important the little finger is. Do you know that um, medical experts say if you lost your little finger, 
you would lose half the strength you have in your hands for grasping and picking things up. And I suspect that that would be news to most of us because we don't even think about our little finger. And when we do, we think that it must, because it's little, be the least important. It just goes to show. No matter how you might feel about yourself, don't dismiss the important role that you play. You might feel like what you do doesn't make much of a difference, but just because you're not visible doesn't mean you're not important. Just because no one's talking about you or what you do doesn't mean that you or what you do is unnecessary. Your role matters to God. You know, um, there are a whole lot of things that our church does that require a whole lot of people to be involved. And you might not see in the moment how your work is important, but I promise you that without you doing what you do, whether you pray, whether you give, whether you volunteer, whether you serve, whether you invite other people to be part of Good Life Church, you are important and important in ways you might never understand. You know, um, one of our biggest problems is that we believe the lie of the devil, that we don't really matter. Um, well, you know, uh, something God wants done doesn't just get done. God always works through people. But we think, well, you know, I'm not that important. And, and so we literally go to sleep. And I dare say there may well be people tuning in today who have really gone to sleep. Maybe you're part of Good Life Church, but you feel like, other people do what needs to be done. There's really no need for me. And, and so you're part of church, but not really engaged or active. It, it's like you've gone to sleep. I'm not sure if you've ever woken up and found that one of your limbs has gone to sleep. I remember waking up one morning and my arm was across my body and I woke up with a fright thinking something was on top of me. And, and I'm trying to get this thing off me. And I, I can't get it off me. And, and then it dawned on me, there's nothing on me, it's my own arm, but it had literally become numb and gone to sleep. And to try and get my asleep arm off of me was very difficult because when your arm goes to sleep, it, it becomes dormant and paralyzed. And, and so it was with great effort that I finally got my arm off. My whole body had to work a lot harder to compensate for the fact my arm had gone to sleep. Well, you know what? When you go to sleep in church, the rest of the body has to work a lot harder because you've gone to sleep. And, and sometimes we go to sleep not because we're slack, but simply because we've believed the lie of the devil that what we do doesn't matter because no one notices us. It's unimportant what we do because we're not mentioned. We're not necessary. And, and, and we go to sleep and the rest of the body has to work Harder. Well, I really believe that the Spirit of God is saying to his church, come on, wake up. In fact, the Spirit of God may well be saying to you today, come on, wake up. As we come into this new season of church, understand your role is incredibly important. There's a purpose for you. There's a calling for you. You've got gifts and talents and passions that the church needs. So come on. A lot of people say, well, well maybe. 
But what about my past? Hey, I want to say to you, no matter who you are, where you've been or what you've done, your past does not disqualify you. It, it, it actually prepares you. So you had some sordid things in your past. Well, it just helps you to believe that other people have got sordid things in their present and not beyond redemption. So you've been through some trouble in your past. Well, well it provides you with empathy to be able to minister to people today who have got some difficulty that they are experiencing. When you've got some things in your past, you know what it is to have the grace of God minister to you, to give hope. And so you can give that same hope and encouragement to others. People say, well, well it's, it's not just my past. Even right now, I'm, I'm still struggling. Hey, we understand all of us are a work in progress. All of us are on a journey. And uh, the fact that you might be still struggling in a few areas doesn't make you unuseful or unnecessary or, or disqualified. It, it just makes you human. So you're struggling. Guess what? You're struggling like the rest of us. All of us are trying daily to become a little bit more like Jesus. But uh, if you know Jesus and you know how to show a bit of love, well, you're ready to be part of what God's doing through Good Life Church in reaching our community. And every person in our church matters, even as every part of our body matters. Hey, listen, there's a calling and purpose on your life that can be exercised through our church. You say, well, you know, I'm I, I going to fix some things up first and then I'll believe I could be useful to the church. Hey, it, it's not about your ability. It's about your availability. You might not be as strong as others in the church, but if you're available, then God can use you. You might not be as mature as some of the saints in the church, but if you're available, then God can use you. You say things like, well, you know, that's all very nice, Pastor James, but church is going to happen without me. And I guess the truth is it will. The church will still go on without you. But I want you to understand something. It's not the same without you. Your presence matters to God. Let me finish with this illustration. Most weeknights, my family is together for dinner. And so we set the table and we set five places because there are five of us. There's James, Sharonica, Joseph, Benjamin, and Jazara. Could you imagine if we set five places at the dinner table and then we announce, come on, everybody, dinner is ready, and we all sit at the table ready to eat. But there's one seat that is vacant, that there's, there's one place that is unoccupied, Joseph is not there. Do you think as a father, I would say, oh, well, the meal must go on and we would all just carry on, not too worried that Joseph was missing? Of course not. If Joseph is not at the table, my family is incomplete and the meal might still happen, but it's not the same when everyone's not there and it's not the same when one of the family members, when part of the body is absent. There's less laughter. There's less noise. There's less bodies to warm the room, that there's less interaction. It, it, it's just 
less. It, it still happens, but but it doesn't happen like it would happen if he was there. Hey, I want to say to you, church still goes on without you, but it's not the same. There's less laughter. There's less faith. There's less enthusiasm. That There's less warmth. There's, there, there's just a lot less of everything when you are not there. Now, if I as an imperfect human father notice when one of my children is not at the meal table, how much more do you think God, our heavenly father, notices when one of his children is not at the table we all gather to as a family to interact and to encourage one another? Hey, you make a difference. We've been talking about the fact that the world needs Good Life Church. Well, that means the world needs you and you and the role you play through our church is incredibly important. During this pandemic season where we are unable to gather together corporately and so we're meeting in different homes, it can be easy to start to think that maybe you don't make that much of a difference and to start to go to sleep and think you really don't need to contribute much or to, to keep inviting people or sharing with people or giving. But, but I want you to understand, in season and out of season, no matter what the situation is right now, on your own, you're a believer, but together we take on a new identity. The church and the part you play is incredibly important. Hey, be encouraged today to keep playing your part, to keep finding different things that you can do. And as each of us do that, together we become a light and a hope for our community. God bless you. Wherever you're watching from, whatever part you play, whether you've been in the church for many, many years or whether you're brand new to Good Life Church, we are so glad that you are part of what God is doing because you are incredibly important. I want to hand back to our host pastors. God bless you. And I pray let this week be an incredible week of God's goodness and favor upon your life in Jesus' name. Amen.